James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And good Saturday morning, my friends. Welcome to our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. If you want to be part of today's program, all you have to do is pick up your telephone at some point during the program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 848-9222. And what a day we have. A little bit later, we're going to do our in-depth segment with Noam about the news. That comes up next hour. Always love chatting with Noam Layden. And, of course, later today, Princess Di will join us. America's Princess of Policy will be back with us. In the meantime, Derek is hanging out with the family today. So it's you and me this hour. And uh, anything that you want to talk about. Is fair game. I have. Okay. I promised yesterday I was going to talk about this story that is all over. It was all over the press on Friday. It came out on Thursday. The presidential centers from Hoover to Bush and Obama unite. Oh, isn't it lovely? They're all united to one of fragile state of U.S. democracy. That's kind of like the uh, the the slogan underneath the Washington Post: "Democracy dies in darkness." From a newspaper where journalism died in broad daylight. Um, but and so we'll get to that. Yes, all these so-called presidential. You read that, you're like, oh my goodness! The headlines: thirteen presidential libraries. You say. All joined in. They're all concerned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are other things in the news. Now, those of you who pay attention to guns, I want you to listen closely. Because guns, I rarely talk about guns on this program, especially in the lead, but this headline I had to do a double take. Yes, I know there was a terrible earthquake in Morocco. Now it's 800. And please, okay, please, no kooks. I don't want to hear that the, I, I heard last night. I The reason I'm saying that is I already heard, you know, this could be a man-made earth. No, stop it. Could be a man-made earthquake. Okay, I rarely talk about guns, but... Headline today from Fox News. New Mexico governor temporarily suspends open concealed carry across Albuquerque. Albuquerque. She says there's violence at every turn. Like, hmm, this is interesting. I didn't know governors had that kind of power. State has a law. The governor can just say, hey, hey, never mind that law. We're not going to use that law right now. So here's the story. New Mexico Governor Michelle 
Luhan Grisham, a Democrat, of course, issued an emergency order on Friday suspending suspending the right to carry guns in public across Albuquerque and surrounding Bernanillo County. Bernanillo, I guess, for at least 30 days. 30 days. There's been gun violence, you see, in Albuquerque. She said she expects the order to face legal challenges, but she believes she needed to act. I have to act. Never mind your constitution. We don't need that stinking constitution. I had to act. In response to recent gun-related deaths, such as an 11-year-old boy who was shot and killed outside a minor league baseball stadium earlier in the week, when New Mexicans are afraid to be in crowds, to take their kids to school, to leave a baseball game, when their very right to exist is threatened by the prospect of violence at every turn, something is very wrong. I agree with that, by the way. Said the governor, something is very wrong. So how did she do this? How did she do this in run around the law? She called it an emergency public health order. Hmm, hmm, where have we heard emergency? Let me see. Emergency public health orders. Does that sound familiar? Let me think. Think, James. You've heard that term before. Where? I don't know. Nick, where have you heard the term uh, 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 emergency public health order before? It seems to me so. It's reminded me of a certain time, maybe a couple of years ago, you know, maybe yeah. around like 2019, when we had to all get a jab so we can go. Oh! Yeah, and oh. go to restaurants and concerts and all that fun stuff we like to do. Oh! Oh, that's right. Those those emergency public health orders, the, the, the ones that tell businesses to shut down, the ones that tell landlords, hey, you stop collecting rent from those people, they can stay in your house free of charge. As long as they want to, as long as we say there's a pandemic, they can stay and not have to pay you and screw you and you, you having to pay the mortgages. Those kind of public health orders yeah. See, this is what happens when you give Democrats a little bit of power. And when they take power that they're not supposed to have, they keep using it. Now, so this governor says, I'm going to declare a public health order and ban your damn guns because we don't like guns anyway. Screw your guns. Health. Health. It's a public health order. She's a Democrat. Who's going to say anything to it? What, the Republicans going to get mad and say something to it? They're going to, what are they going to do, stomp their feet? Have a little tantrum? Oh, no, 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 she's violating the Constitution. Oh, I say there, Buckley, what do you think? This governor just used the public health order to take away people's guns. Oh, I don't like that at all. Well, I tell you, I don't like it. Hmm, I think we should demonstrate. Okay. Let's stamp our feet for a few moments. Yeah, you feel better now? Yep, that's it. Okay. But 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 she still took your guns away. I know, but at least we said something about it. She took your guns, folks. Now, all the time that you, and excuse me, I don't mean this literally because I'm using the name that they call you. I don't mean to call you this name. I'm using the name that liberals call you. All the time, you gun nuts, that's what liberals call you. 
All the time you gun nuts are out there saying, they're coming for my guns. They're coming for my guns. They all say, see, those are a bunch of nuts. Nobody's coming for your guns. You people, you gun nuts. Nobody's coming to take your weapons. <laughs> yeah, well, the Democrat governor of New Mexico just did it by executive fiat. Now, by the way, this is not to say that I don't agree with her that something must be done. There's something I have in mind to be done would be something that Democrats don't do, which is punish the criminals so severely that people are actually deterred from committing crimes because they don't want to happen to them what you just did to that other criminal. So instead of all this talk about guns, 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 I'm going to take everybody, tell everybody, never mind, you don't have the right to carry your gun, even though you do have the right. How about this? How about finding the people with illegal guns, these people that are out here shooting up kids, and making sure that they never see the outside of a prison cell for a few decades, maybe. Or if they're repeat offenders, there used to be an expression called throw away the key. And people who actually commit murder. See, we used to have something in this country that was a punishment for that, but liberals got really mad about it. It's this thing called capital punishment. What we used to do, and when somebody did something heinous like take someone else's life, they used to forfeit their own, and it didn't take 25, 30 years to serve out that justice. They go on trial. If they were found guilty, they got sent to the slammer. They waited in the slammer for a year or two, went through appeals, appeal, 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 If they were still found guilty, then they were taken out of that room, put in another room, and they met Mr. Gas, or they met Mr. Sparky. And then later on, they met the pesky little needle. And then they were gone. And what used to happen is it was done with such regularity that that people, criminals, you know what? I don't want to do that. No, um, we should not do that because I don't want to end up meeting Mr. Sparky. And Mr. Sparky wasn't fun because Mr. Sparky, sometimes accidents would happen. Ooh, ooh, chilling stuff, ugly stuff. Don't want to go, ugh, ugh. But see, that's what we used to do. And even that was a deviation from what used to happen at the very beginning in America. I remember reading through Virginia, Virginia's laws, the House of Burgess, I think they used to call it, or whatever they used to, Burgesses, or it's like they have Congress, right? And before the United States of America was formed, here's how they used to do it in Virginia. You, 
the criminal had a trial. Your trial ended, let's say, on Wednesday. You were found guilty of murder. On Thursday, they took you out and they hung you. That was that. Now, the only exceptions were if the trial ran over into Saturday and you were found guilty, they would not hang you on Sunday. So they waited until Monday. You got an extra day that you could pray and try to get straight with the Lord before you went to where you were going. But then on Monday morning, they'd come, snatch you up, take you up. Boop. My little four-year-old nephew likes to say that word to me. We play this game called Houses, and he calls me. And then at the end of the phone call, he says, boop. But that's what they used to do. Boop on Monday. Criminal deaded. And that was that. Now, in America these days, you have people like Gavin Newsom out there in California. He just decided, oh, we have 800 people on death row. We're never going to get to them anyway. Let's just let them all off the hook. you got some heinous murderers out there. You've got other Democrat governors who, oh, we can't, we can't, we can't execute Criminals, that's terrible. You've got Democrats with an assault on crime victims in this country. They won't dispense justice when justice has already been adjudicated by the courts. They let criminals out of jail like they do here in in, in, in the Big Apple so that they can continue to commit their crime sprees. And you see that in almost every Democrat city. They talk all this tough talk, but there's no action. Now, I agree with the governor of New Mexico. Something has got to be done. When you have the violence that we have in this society, whether it's gun violence, knife violence, or nail gun violence, any kind of violence, why do you say that? I say that because we have, oh, this is a sad story. Something's got to be done. This is a sad story. And this happened in Texas. A Texas man convicted of bludgeoning his wife to death with a nail gun has been sentenced to 40 years. And See, this is what I mean, a tough sentence. 40 years in prison. His, his name is Lam Nakhtran. Pled guilty to murdering his wife, 49-year-old Mai Fai Dang, at their home in Cypress, Texas. Horrible murder. Woman trying to get away from an abusive husband. Only reason she's dead because he could not stand to lose control of her. She had been attacked when police found her, responding to a 911 call. She had been attacked with a heavy nail gun, pneumatic nail gun. He shot himself after he tried to commit suicide, by the way, by shooting himself with the nail gun several times after he killed his wife, but he didn't. 
succeed in taking himself out. Yeah. Guns, guns, guns. New Mexico, the governor just says, yep, screw the law, public health emergency, and then this. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-WABC. We're coming back right after this. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. September 9th, 1965. The Rolling Stones jump to number one in the charts with this one. for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Well, so much for the Rolling Stones. Something just died. I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no nothing. Apologies for that lack of satisfaction. My Z player died, but I can come back right with it. One sec. Okay. Yeah. Well, the Z player just died. We just had, we just lost all satisfaction right in the middle of it. You ladies, you know how that goes, right? Oh, we're back. Thank you. Yeah, we're looking like, what happened to the music? We'll do it again. This was their fourth number one single. Now, Keith Richards, it is said, had recorded a rough version of the guitar riff that they used in the beginning in, uh, in Florida. He said, uh, Keith Richards said when he listened back to the recording that he did, he recorded a rough version in his hotel room. There was about two minutes of acoustic guitar, and then for the next 40 minutes, him snoring. (laughs) 
Rolling Stones with us on WABC Talk Radio 77. Okay, I have a stack of things. But first, I want to get to a story, and your calls are going to be a major part of today's program, 800-848-WABC. So, yes, we will get to calls. So I want to run this story by you, ladies and gentlemen. Concern for U.S. democracy amid deep national polarization has prompted the entities supporting 13 presidential libraries dating back to Herbert Hoover to call for a recommitment to the country's bedrock principles, including the rule of law and respecting a diversity of beliefs. The statement released Thursday, first time the libraries have joined to make such a public declaration, said Americans have a strong interest in supporting democratic movements and human rights around the world because... Free societies elsewhere contribute to our own security and prosperity right here at home. But that interest, it said, is undermined when others see our house in disarray. What could, what could they be talking about? Our house in disarray. The joint message from presidential centers, foundations, and institutes emphasize the need for compassion. Compassion, my friends, tolerance, and pluralism while urging you people, you Americans, to respect democratic institutions and uphold secure and accessible elections. The statement noted that debate and disagreement are central to democracy, but also alluded to the coarsening of dialogue in the public arena during an era when officials and their families are receiving death threats. Civility and respect in political discourse, whether in an election year or otherwise, are essential, it said. What is this I think I know. Let's go to the next paragraph. Most of the living former presidents have been sparring, have been sparing, not sparring, sparing, in giving their public opinions about the state of the nation as polls show that large swaths of Republicans still believe the lies perpetuated by former President Donald Trump and his allies in 2020, that the 2020 presidential election was stolen. Trump, a Republican, also lashed out at the justice system as he faces indictments in four criminal cases, including two related to his effort to overturn the results of his re-election loss to Joe Biden a Democrat. So what do you make about all this, folks? I wrote about it. I, I, this, this one ticked me off so hard. I wrote about it. Uh, you can find it. You can find it today at the Daily BS, dailybs.com. Title is Presidential Libraries of America Unite Against Trump. Mainstream media outlets gushing 
over the 13 presidential libraries that issued a first-time-ever joint statement stemming from their concern for U.S. democracy. And then I went through that whole business I just read. Well, let's cut through the bull. I said, it's the statement's nothing more than another not-so-veiled attack on Donald Trump and Donald Trump supporters. You want proof? And then I read that uh, that sentence I just got just read to you. Most of the living former presidents have been sparing and giving their public opinions because posts are large swaths of Republicans still believe the lies perpetuated by former President Donald Trump and his allies. This, uh, this, this, the AP version of the story also went on to quote the president and chief executive officer of the Lyndon Baines Johnson Foundation. A guy by the name of Mark Updegrove, who says, I think there's a great concern about the state of our democracy at this time. We don't have to go much farther than January 6th. Realize that we are in a perilous state. Now, to me, coming from the LBJ Presidential Library, this is almost laughable, folks. Does anybody remember what happened during LBJ's tenure? Do you remember every day, every day, thousands and thousands, they called them hippies back then, hippies, out in the streets, in Washington. Hey, hey, LBJ, how many kids did you kill today? Hey, hey, LBJ, how many kids did you kill today? Right? They were in Washington. They were everywhere. January 6th, they made that look like a piece of cake. They were. There was a January 6th atmosphere in Washington and around many of the cities in America every day during the 60s, including the riots at the 1968 Democrat Convention. You didn't see any of these presidential libraries, oh, no, democracy is fragile. We better come together. Well, here's the funny thing. It's not the libraries that came that did this. This joint statement came about, it was spearheaded by one guy, David Kramer, executive director of the George W. Bush Institute. Mr. Kramer told the AP that the former President Bush, he did see it and sign off on the statement. George Bush and his library didn't come up with this statement. This statement came from one guy, Kramer. Now, Kramer is a guy that also had a fundraiser for Bill Gates, not that Bill Gates, the Bill Gates of the Maricopa elections. You know those elections? And he had a fundraiser for the guy, Bill Gates, that Carrie Lake says ran a super pack, a pack against her and only her, while he was at the same time in charge of the elections. But this guy, Kramer, that came up with this statement had a fundraiser for him. Now, the Eisenhower Foundation declined 
They're the only ones that were at declined to sign it. And they revealed something else. They said there was zero collective discussions about this little document. Somebody just sent them the document, asked them to sign it. And this document does not come. It comes from one guy at the Bush Institute. So once again, we get this headline, the presidential libraries have united. No, one Bush political operative is using the names of presidential libraries who willingly go along with this nonsense to come up with this letter that's just another attack on Donald Trump and just more Trump hate from inside the Bush organization. And I'm not ragging Bush 43. I always cared respected for Bush 43. But some of his operatives, let's face it, are just total Trump haters. And that's where this little letter, supposedly from the presidential libraries, is coming from. It's coming out of the Bush camp, one guy. James Golden, a.k.a. Sternly with you here. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. On WABC, Talk Radio 77, your calls, 800-848-WABC, are welcome. September 9th. 1995. This record went to number one. It's Coolio. Gangsters. Paradise. This is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Look at the situation they got me facing. I can't live a normal life. I was raised by the state, so I gotta be there with the hood team. Too much television watching got me chasing dreams. I'm an educated fool with money on my mind. Got my tin in my hand and a gleam in my eye. I'm a low-down gangster, set-tripping banker. And my homies is down, so don't arouse my anger. Fool, death ain't nothing but a heartbeat away. I'm living life through a die. What can I say? I'm 23 now, but will I live to see 24? The way things are going, I don't know. Yeah, uh, Coolio. That was number one in the nine. That was 1996. Yeah, on this day in September. You know, I could do a whole commentary on that, but I won't because you've heard me before. Now I want to get to some phone calls later on today. Princess Di cannot wait to speak with her. I have a stack of stories that I want to go. I wish I could get through the whole stack. I won't be able to, but I'm going to read some headlines from some of these, and then I'll pick one or two because some of them are just, uh, yeah, I've been putting this list together for a while. But people are waiting. I don't want you to wait all show, so let's talk to Robert in Suffolk right now. Hi, Robert, on WABC 
Talk Radio 77. How are you, Robert? Hi, thanks. I'm okay. Good morning, James. Good morning. Um, the New Mexico governor has done basically a, a walk around of regulation, which the CDC has been looking to do for some time to permit people not to carry guns. Now, most jurisdictions, guns are permitted by law to be open or and or concealed carry by law. And the governor's action really is unconstitutional. Yeah, what, what I don't understand is she says she's taking this action because there's too much gun violence. Yet I have seen no proof or indication that anyone legally carrying a concealed weapon is responsible for some of these murders that she's talking about. But she's using this as an excuse to get she Look, liberals and Democrats hate concealed carry. She's one of them. So now she declares a public health emergency, and it's just for 30 days. It's only for a month. This is to see. That's the trial balloon. Because if you're willing to swallow this, you, if you're willing to swallow her usurping the Constitution for a month, you'll do it for two months. If you're willing to go for two months, you'll go for a year. This is the way, look, when this COVID pandemic broke and Democrat governors around this country started suspending the law, suspending the Constitution, many of us were worried when they came up with these unconstitutional demands that you jab yourself with some unproven product, many of us said, hey, this, 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 this can't fly. But it did fly. And now you have a governor using the same logic as was introduced to this country during COVID. So, yep, yep, yep. I know it says you can carry your gun, but no, you can't. Because we don't like your guns, and we Democrats say, oops, public health, never mind the law. Robert, this is just, it, it, it's almost on the verge of, I, some days I shake my head and I wonder if what I'm seeing is really happening, but it's really happening. You get the last word, Robert. Yes, um, th- thank you, James. Um, this is a problem because... The governor is required to uphold the law, like all public officials, and using their executive power, like other governors, I'm sure, like Hochul want to do, to take away the rights people have by law, and the Constitution being the highest laws in the land, along with the Bill of Rights, is, is reprehensible. It is truly. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate your call. Let's go to Buffalo, New York. Carrie, how are you? Carrie, welcome. You're on WABC. How are you? Good morning, Bo. How are you? I am good, thank you. I wanted to say thank you so very much. On Freddie Mercury's birthday, I was listening all day to hear something, and the only person who said anything about him was you. And I really appreciate that. I've been a fan of him since I was a little girl. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Carrie. I'm glad you called in. And even the way you said it, he's a man. He was a man. He loved music. Oh, absolutely. 
And he was uh, not just a man. He was an icon that will always be remembered. Thank you. Thank you so much for remembering him. Nobody else did. Thank you. I appreciate you. Rocco in Saratoga. How are you doing, Rocco, this morning? I'm doing fabulous as usual. I'm here with the bow. I've got to be doing well. Going gangster this morning, are we, huh? Yeah. Hey, and, hey, yeah. Okay, yeah. you do it with the Coolio, man. Hey, and, and who pulled the plug on the stones there, man? Did you send them up river to Sing Sing? Mm. And then you gave them a little shock in the chair and pull them off, huh? Right? I got you. I got you. Hey, Christian, Christian, hey, he pulled the switch. He pulled the switch, did the stones in. I got you. Yeah, up the river. When they set up the river back in the day. They you know, the stones are coming it. up with a new album. They've, they're they going to drop their first new album in 18 years. I heard the one cut angry. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm into it yet, but um, I'll give it a shot. You know, I heard angry. Let me hear the rest of it. 80-year-old men, you know, still rocking and rolling. Hey, you can't. what are you going to do? I mean, that's pretty awesome, right? Right. You said it. Rocking and rolling at 80. Hey, don't send them to Sing Sing or Osning as they changed the name. Right. When they said up the river, they meant up the Hudson to Osning, New York, to Sing Sing, to the electric chair and shock. Hey, you did it to the That was the ultimate shock therapy. But but see, that's what, Rocco, that's what people used to know and expect. And this is when when the governor of and, and look, I agree with this sentiment that we have violence out of control in too many parts. This is what the new uh, what, what the governor of New Mexico was saying, and I've got to act. Well, the funny thing is, there is nothing new. Societies have had to deal with violence before, and the way that they dealt with violence was make sure that the offender class knew that they would pay a severe price for misbehaving or for committing criminal acts. Some would call them draconian. But the message was sent clear. If you do this, these are the consequences. And when a society has the will to uphold their end of that social contract to deliver the consequences for crime, then all of a sudden you see a reduction in crime. It happens every time. Joe, in Westchester County, you're up next on WABC. Hi, James. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Hey, so that that uh, law, that uh, executive order can cut both ways, even to our advantage. Uh, when Lee Zeldin was running for governor of New York State, I had gotten word to him through his campaign that on his first day as governor, he could declare a state of emergency for the health and well-being of his citizens and uh, stop the bail reform law uh, temporarily so that crime could be decreased in New York State. He didn't come out with it until two weeks before the election, but that that sort cuts both ways. And uh, in New York State, we're a one-party rule where even Hochul and Adams can't get their own legislature to change the law. So an executive order could work in our favor uh, using it 
uh, for that advantage. Yeah, the, yes, you're right. And and, and I, I applaud the creative thinking, but here's the thing that bothers me. What those kind of things do is once you start with these fancy workarounds against constitutional law, that's what you're doing. You're undermining the Constitution. Now, I understand that you're saying for a good cause, for a good reason, but it is still undermining the Constitution. What needs to happen, and I don't understand why it's so difficult to make a case that the progressive method of dealing with crime has failed. I don't understand for the life of me. Well, I do because they're Republicans. I mean, to me, this is a national issue that would resonate all across the country, whether you live in a city or not. These smash and grabs that we see every week, this looting, the, this, this unchecked violence, the random violence that is allowed to happen in city after city after city. There's, this is so visual and so basic. The fact that there is not a national campaign by Republicans about the way the Democrats and their Soros prosecutors have inflicted chaos on America, it, to me, it's astounding. We have such an inept political party that they can't even message on what's right in front of their faces. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, 800-848-WABC, the number to call, 800-848-9222. Yeah, new kids. On the block. September 9th, 1989. This one was number one. Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Ladies and gentlemen. You know I can be found. Put your hands together. If you can't come around, at least please tell the phone. Don't be cruel. Yeah, so if you were watching the Ed Sullivan Show on September 9th, 1956, you would have seen the debut of Elvis Presley on the Ed Sullivan Show. Performed Don't Be Cruel. Love Me Tender, Ready Teddy. This was all from the CBS TV studios, not in New York, but in Los Angeles. 
course, later on, you know, the Ed Sullivan Show from New York. Ed Sullivan. I wonder how many of us in this generation watch Ed. You know, the Sundays were a thing. Ed Sullivan. And then there was Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. And, um, you know, between Walt Disney, Ed Sullivan, Saturdays were, if you were a kid, Saturdays were great. Because in the mornings you would watch your cartoons and then later on at night, Supercar would come on or some of the other shows. And the cartoons are really good then. They weren't full of this, you know, preachy stuff or trying to get you to join the liberal political ideology. They were just cartoons that were fun. But I, but you could tell what was big. I mean, I remember the Beatles, when the Beatles first did Ed Sullivan, the next day at school, and every the only topic, I don't care what school, I bet, but I know in the school that I was at, the only topic the kid everybody wanted to talk about was the Beatles because everybody saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan the night before. Everybody saw Sly and the Family Stone when they first came on and turned it out. I didn't see Elvis. I was too young. So I didn't see this. I saw the repeats later on in later years. But the Ed Sullivan show, for those of you who remember it, Topo Gijo and all the good... Ed Sullivan was amazing. And Diana Ross and the Supremes and the Temptations together. Do you remember that one on the Ed Sullivan show? Yeah. WABC Talk Radio 77. Let's get back to the telephones. We've got people that have been waiting. Gene, welcome to the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. How are you, Gene? Good morning. I, the other day you had some. You were talking about the guy who burned the BLM flag and got arrested and all sorts of trouble, even though burning the flag is free speech rights. Yes. But they said that he stole the flag. But how much is a flag? Fifty bucks, a hundred bucks? That's not stealing anymore. We were talking about Enrique Terrio, who is now sentenced to twenty-two years behind bars, and I made the point that he was not even at the Capitol. He, folks, he got, he has been sentenced to two decades plus two years for January 6th, was not at the Capitol, was not sending messages to the Capitol to go in and vandalize, nothing like that. Yet this man gets 22 years in jail. The reason he wasn't at the Capitol He was banned from D.C. because he had prior been convicted of burning a BLM flag that, quote-unquote, was stolen from a church or something, some sort. But you talk about the sentencing that is here. This is pure political retribution. Now, I've always said, and I maintain that, the people that went into the Capitol committed violence or vandalism should have been charged, convicted appropriately. To hand out a 22-year sentence to somebody who was not even on the ground, was not, was not organizing 
the events of that afternoon via communications. To me, it's just it just smacks of unfairness. Again, this is political retribution. You see how the political class responds when they feel threatened. Never mind your businesses that get burned down, that get looted every day. Never mind those of you who have suffered murders at the hands of criminals that have wandered into your place of business and randomly killed or, or, or plotted even worse to kill someone. They don't get this kind of time. But you see what happens when people, quote, unquote, invade the, poli- the politician's domain, when they go inside the lair of the politician's when they dare cross the line and go into the public building of the Capitol, you see what happens when the political class feels threatened, how they deal with it, as opposed to how they deal with you, the peasants. They don't care what happens to you and your business. Let those criminals wander the streets. Why not? But let somebody come threaten their little capital up there. And that's the way they view it. Not their house. Not your house. Not yours. Theirs. Let somebody visit their house, unwanted guest. And they will throw them in jail for decades. James Golden. Norm Layden's coming up next with WABC News. Keep it right here. We will be back for our number duo right after this. James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to our number duo here on WABC. We are the crown jewel of American radio. It is Saturday morning. This is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. And with me, Noam Layden. Good morning, James. Hi, Noam. Listen, yeah, I, so much stuff in the news. There is. I'm excited. Where do we start? U.S. Open Pro. <laughs> I saw this headline <laughs> last night. Right. I laughed myself silly. Of course, who wouldn't? <laughs> okay, the U.S. Open protester who glued his feet to stadium floor says New York City Police Department tried to discredit him. By sticking him in a psych ward. Yeah, well. (laughs) (laughs) Seems to me they might have brought him to the right place, actually, yeah. Exactly. Oh, now this guy, okay, he he says the police tried to humiliate him, discredit his environmental message. (laughs) (laughs) By taking him to the the psych ward. Oh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's such a crazy story. If you didn't hear it, these three protesters got up during the U.S. Open on Thursday during the women's semifinal match. You know, you have a national crowd watching on TV, Coco Goff. Everybody wants to see her play. And they start screaming these, you know, uh, climate, anti-climate messages that we're not doing enough for climate change. And then when the NYPD races in, because they have cops right there, of course, lots of security. 
they're able to take two out right away. But then they realize the third guy has glued his feet to the Arthur Ashe Stadium floor. So they can't just yank him away. <laughs> Because, you know, these cops, they're ultimately nice people. They don't want to hurt this guy if they don't have to. So that's why it took so long. It was an hour delay because they had to get acetone to then remove his feet from the floor without injuring him. And all through the process, you had to see what was going on in the stadium, James. It was crazy. People started getting – when they realized what was going on, because at first they said, why is it taking so long to take a protester out? He's just screaming. But then, of course, word got around the stadium that he had glued his feet. I can't even believe that I'm saying this out loud. That he glued his feet to the floor. And so people started yelling, you suck, you suck. You didn't see this on TV, by the way, because ESPN pulled away from the coverage and they just, you could just hear the announcers. They took the crowd noise out. But first of all, they started yelling, you suck. And that you could hear it all over the stadium. 23,000 fans screaming, you suck because you've taken away this, an hour of a great match, right? And then they start yelling things that you can't, I can't even say on the radio. Really? Because it's taking so long. Finally, they're able to, on, with the acetone, they're able, you know, acetone is like what nail polish removal, right. essentially. Yeah. And they pull this guy off the stadium floor and they haul him out and he's screaming, by the way. He's from White Plains. He's a local guy. He's screaming on the way out, um, you know, all his anti-climate messages and, uh, people are, you know, they're ready to throw things at him, but they don't because they're tennis. You know, the tennis people are gentle for the most part and they, uh, they take him out. But, but, and then they take him to a psych ward, which seems to make a whole lot of sense to a lot of people. You know, Norm, this thing, though, is escalating. Yeah. I, I'm sure you've seen the videos of um, not just here but over in Europe, people sitting down in traffic. And in some cases, you know, they're, they're dealt with people that are screaming at them, look, I have to get to work. I have medical emergencies, whatever. They they sit down in traffic and refuse to move. And then you see the other group of activists that are now throwing paint and other things on centuries-old works of art, irreplaceable works of art. I just – I said the other day, I'm waiting. I don't – I'm not predicting. I'm, I'm not – I don't want it to happen. But I fear this is going to end very badly for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're throwing – tomato sauce on great works of art which seems awfully odd then you have the people who are pieing people that's a big one right right i have to say it makes for a great tiktok video i mean i will watch those people being pied all day it's terrible and i'm not justifying We're not advocating, yeah, yeah, right. yeah but when you see these lawmakers get pied it is kind of comical it's funny to watch but these people are serious they're making a statement and it ultimately it is a form of violence if you're throwing a pie in someone's face that's right? right you don't know what's going to happen in the aftermath and you're right uh, the security, you know, who are protecting these lawmakers, whoever it may be, they could tackle this guy. You don't know what's going to happen in the aftermath. They don't know this person has a gun. If they're willing to go up and pie somebody, maybe they're willing to do a whole lot more. Yeah. So I, I just don't know. Now we've got the hype is on over Hurricane Lee. Hurricane Lee is out in the Atlantic Ocean. It went up to a Cat 5 right. over the warm, warmer waters, which happens. <laughs> but the hysteria is already mounting. The spaghetti trails right. that of, of forecast are right. all over the map. Literally. They're, but this could hit the East Coast <laughs> next week. This could be the big one. Right. <laughs> uh, what do you recommend people do? You're in the news business. You follow the news. This is a news item. Right. 
Hurricane Lee, what should we make of it? Well, there, there is, of course, hysteria sometimes or maybe a lot of times around these things. But look, when the last one hit uh, the Great Big Bend of Florida, it did do a lot of damage. That's right. And there were people killed, not a lot of them, thank God, because they got the warning. So as a member of the media, as a journalist, you want to let people know what's coming their way. But at the same time, not frighten the living daylights out of them for something that may not happen. So be prepared. That's the key, right? Have water, food, whatever you might need if you're going to stay home and you're in an area where it might be really bad. and Or maybe listen to the authorities and leave if they're telling you it's going to be horrible. Now, I would like to just add, since I, I think I can talk not as an expert, a weather expert, but I have been through 11 hurricanes. You're kidding, 11? Oh, my 11 God. hurricanes. And did you stay home for all 11? Yes. You did? Yes. Are and you near one- the water? And, and uh, I'm, I'm, my, my house used to, in Florida backed up on a lake now, and I wished that one of them I didn't stay home because oh, really? it was, it was the scariest. It's, you have no idea what fright is like when you realize that your, your house could seriously blow down with you in it. Now, which one was this? Which hurricane? I don't even remember. Right. Because they're so traumatic, I just like to forget them as when they were over. <laughs> so would you leave if another one, if another one was Here's the thing I'm going to tell people. Right. From my experience, having been through 11 hurricanes, if you have a cat for hurricane pointing at you. Right. Get out. Hmm, okay. Get out. Don't think about it. Get out. If you, and you should plan to do this anyway. I mean, for those people who live in Florida, hurricane season runs from June until November. So you go out, you buy a case of water, you keep it in your house. That's your emergency case. Keep it there. Right. Don't drink it. Keep one in the house for a few months. Because... The day that they have the arrow pointing at you and you try to go to the to the big box retailers, everything's going to be sold of out. Of course. The lines are going to be horrific. Don't wait. If it's hurricane season, go get a, a, a you know, a, go get 24, 30, 40 bottles of water, whatever it is, and just store it. Get yourself some batteries and store them. Get yourself some candles, store them. If you have to, you know, have like certain supplies that you need is particularly for you, get them and store, store as much stuff as you can for hurricane season. When it passes, use it. Have a little party. Yeah. And then do the same next year. And that way you won't have to go through the whole last minute crunch. It's like if you take the time to seriously prepare, then you'll be okay. And then they tell you things. If you live in these hurricane zones, you, you learn things like, okay, if you are going to lose power, fill your bathtub up with water. And what's that all about? That's about having enough drinking water in case it goes and oh. you lose power for two days. And you put a little bit of bleach in it. Hmm. For flavor? or No, you just disinfect. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, we, we had a little Just taste of that with Superstorm Sandy, right? Mm-hmm. Was that 13 years ago, however many it is already. And I, um, the news director here wanted me to stay at a hotel in the city. I live just right across the river in Jersey City. Right. I was like, no, this is not, you know, I just thought the whole thing was nonsense. I got to be honest. And then I woke up to the fact that my city was essentially underwater and I had to get a, a, I convinced the state police officer to drive me through this flooded area so I could wow. get so I could get to the studio in the morning. And I was like, wow, okay. 
And this was like a small taste of what it was like, imagine, in Florida for a hurricane, which is much more intense. No, Sandy was about as bad. Let me tell you, Sandy, that's pretty much on the level that happens there. Oh, yeah? Sandy's okay. awful. Yeah. And you know what? And, and when you see the devastation if of, of a Cat 3, a, even what a Cat 3 can do. Right. It, these things are nothing to mess around with. So I agree with you. I don't, I don't like to get involved in the overhype of them. And I think people should, you know, take the, don't get panicked. But at the same time, you're so right, Noam. Just prepare. Yeah. Just in case. Right. And then you have a little party afterwards. I will say with Sandy, again, I didn't buy into the hype, even though here I was reporting the stories. And we put all kinds of food in the refrigerator, a refrigerator I remember. And then we lost power for eight days. <laughs> So we were like, uh, my wife was at home feeding ice cream to the kids on the first day for breakfast because it was like it was melting. You know? Right. It was just stupidity. And I would never do that again. I would prepare this time if it were to happen. So again. you prepare and then you also now what you can also do. I'm glad you said that. So you get those the, the, the cooler, you know, your coolers. Right. And if you don't want to run to the store for a week before you have your Ziploc bags, your freezer bags, you just dump your ice thing and you just make your own ice. Right. And you get those other ice packs and keep your ice packs in your coolers, you know, a few days before it's something supposed to hit. And then, you know. Right. Yeah. Again, you have a little party, barbecue have up when everything gets after, better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Make sure you have some nice charcoal <laughs> <laughs> grill. And, right. Because right. you're going to be grilling or the outdoors. Propane, you know, that works too. And don't forget the bug spray. Yeah. Because after the hurricane, it usually you get a little cool off and then – here come the bugs, <laughs> mosquitoes. Yeah. Here come the big mosquitoes. Right. Ooh, the humans are outdoors because they have no no electricity. Let's feed on them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then you got to go buy calamine lotion. You know, it becomes a mess. Get yeah. all of it ahead of time. <laughs> right. Exactly. So see, <laughs> see, folks, we have it all figured out. Hurricane preparedness, right? <laughs> yeah. But I still love this story, you know, and then um, um, I still – I was – this Coco, do you know how she did, by the way? Uh, she's in the finals. So she's – when is that going to happen? Uh, that'll be – I think it's Sunday. It's either Saturday. It's either today or tomorrow. Okay, so everybody gets a chance to see Coco. Well, and what an amazing story. That, you know, she was probably helped by those climate protesters, by the way. How weird is this? She was down um, and about to lose, and then she really? made this – Yeah. And then she made this furious comeback and won the whole thing. So she kind of got rested, got calm. Yeah. I mean, she looked angry. They, the shots of her on the court, she really went to the ref, and she's like kept asking, when's this going to happen? And finally they told both players, because they, they weren't really sure what was going on in the stands initially, and so they cleared the court. They told them, okay, go back to your locker room. And then she came back out, and she just tore apart this. I think she's from the woman she beats from Czechoslovakia. just destroyed her. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Things happen for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Norm, thank you. What a pleasure as always. Always my a pleasure. Thank you. James Golden, A.K. Snurley, my friends, WABC. We have a full bank of calls. We're going to start taking calls. But if you want to line up when someone drops off, you call in. 800-848-WABC. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Don't forget Princess Di is going to join us in a bit. That comes up next hour. Oh, I know what this is. You know what this is. It is a birthday, a heavenly birthday. 
for Otis Redding. You know, this was the first number one posthumous record ever for the Billboard Hot 100, this one. It was released after the plane crash where um, Otis Redding, and, and I, I, I never seen this in print, but a lot of the members of the Barkays died on that, on that crash. And the Barkays reconstituted themselves as a band. And still, when they did a lot of work with Stax Records, but the Barkays lost a few members of their band on that plane crash with Otis Redding. All right, quick, Nick. Aside from this one, what is the biggest hit in the Otis Redding catalog? Aside from this one. Can you hear me okay? I hear you fine. Um, try a little tenderness. That would be among them. Okay. Um, that's kind of the only one in my rotation right now. I'm blanking, but I know that he worked with many other huge, huge. Okay, he wrote a song that is huge, huge, huge. Oh, did he write "Ain't a Mountain High Enough"? He wrote "Respect." Oh, nice. Aretha Respect. Franklin. Aretha Franklin. He did. It. He recorded it first, and Aretha did it afterwards. Love it. Yep. If I have it right, I think I have that right. Yeah, but respect is his, and try a little tenderness. If you really want to treat yourself, if you get the Otis Redding uh, live in Paris, it's the Live in Paris album. Oh, delightful. And his version of Try a Little Tenderness is awesome on that. James Golden Snurley with you on WABC. Coming back, your call's coming up. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Yeah, here's another one of the Yoda's Redding hits. Of course, this is Reed's version. That is still so funky. That pocket that they laid in there. Yeah, WABC Talk Radio 77. Nursey Nurse, who was down in Florida today, uh, sent me a text. She's like, you idiot. The bathtub isn't, the. that's not the drinking water you have. The, you fill up the bathtub for flushing the toilets, not for drinking the water. You're no expert. I am. Thank you, Nursey Nurse. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, and that, that, so there you go, part of the, the hurricane review. Um, let's see. I have a bunch of stories. I want to get to the phones. I said I get to the phones. Let me get to the phones. But I have a bunch of stories. I want to run through some headlines, and then we'll pick some. So let's go to Jamie, speaking of Florida, down in Florida. How are you, Jamie? I'm great, Bo. Thank you so much for taking my call. I love the show. Thank you. And I just have I just have a little bit of difference of opinion. When you say political retribution, it kind of means that you have already done something bad. 
True. But I think it's more like political. I think it's more political aggression, because they they are aggressive after going after all these people who did nothing wrong. So I think it paints the brush paints a, a totally different picture, which I think is a more accurate picture. I, so I just, I, okay. No, no, no. It's a great point. Because you're right, retribution means you've done something, so they've done something. But in a way, it is political. The political thing that Donald Trump did is win. And he tried to dismantle their power base. And everything that they are doing to him is retribution for that. He won the presidency. And he implemented laws that they hate. He tried to actually encroach on the power of the establishment. He started saying things like drain the swamp. And by the way, this is not a small thing. He also started to dismantle some of the protections for the federal workforce. And they hate him for that. Remember, he started talking about how these civil servants never have to actually, you know, um, um, have any fear that they could lose their job for malfeasance. And he started taking away some of their protections. He started exposing the fact that the establishment has done nothing about immigration for 30 years, even though they had the power to do it. He started doing the same, making the same moves when he took on China and showed them both parties for being farcical and playing the game with us. And so this was a political retribution. Everything that you see happening to Donald Trump now is retribution for him winning. And by the way, it's not just Donald Trump. Anybody that serves with him is put on notice. We will drag you to court. We will make you spend millions. We will ruin your life. This is political retribution. Like we have never seen it in America. But I'll give you the final word, Jamie. I agree with you uh, in terms of the meaning of that uh, being retribution, but I think it's a misplaced retribution because they have no point in taking everybody's uh, you know, right to, to speech, and that's what they're doing. So I, I still see it more as aggression. They're being aggressive. They are. They're, Jamie, there's no doubt that they are being aggressive too. Jamie, thank you so much for your call. love having our Florida listeners. We call it our sixth borough. Annie in Staten Island, thank you for waiting. How are you, Anne? I'm fine. Good morning, Bo. Good morning, Ann. Uh, I just want to tell you that you are only one of two hosts and shows that I listen to. <laughs> and, really? Uh, you, you make me feel normal. Oh, thank you. So, I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's the way it's you make good. me feel. It's good, honey. <laughs> now, you quite a few days ago, you said something about animal rights people. And then yesterday you were talking about a protest by the people from PETA. Yep. Against coach. They went, they, they disturbed the coach. Coach was having, you know, it was one of these fashion shows, the runway. So you had this right. woman that got up there. She has body paint on, but otherwise she's naked. I think she had a thong. Um, and, and they start talking about don't skin, or, or, you know, basically a protest against leather. Stop skinning the animals or something like that. You know, Bo, I have been fighting those people legally with my network 
uh, throughout New York State for over 40 years. Really? I have so much information about animal rights. PETA. PETA at one time was actually investigated as a domestic terrorist. There is so much. It's not just um, that protest you mentioned. They're against dogs being used in the military. They're dogs being used to help the handicapped, like the dogs for independence. They are against so much. They're against rodeos. They have a whole different perspective about it. Those That livestock is, believe me, I'm involved with rodeo people. They're, the livestock is taken care of better than most people take care of their average pet. So I have a lot of stuff, and I would love to send to you whenever you have time. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, let me see. I got to figure out an address because people want to send me all kind of stuff, and I got to get an address so I can put it up on my website for that. But Ann, let me ask you a question: What you say you've been battling these people for forty years? Are you in a, a, a organization of some sort that has gone up against these people, or they've just been battling you because you you you're just interested in in, in animal, as they used to call it, animal husbandry. No, I was uh, the head of a federate. Now my health, health is failing, so I apologize for my voice, but I still try to do what I can from home. I have severe, severe COPD, but whatever I can do from home, I do. But I was the director of an American Kennel Club Federation called Responsible Dog Owners of New York. And oh, wow. Legally, I've testified to city council so many times about different things. Um, I've lobbied in D.C., and I have to tell you, I work with both sides of the aisle. And between you and I, years ago, because of letters that I was sending to Albany, I got a call from somebody, and it was a Democrat, and she was going to be running for office, uh, I think, in the Assembly. She was the only person that would be on the Agricultural Committee that actually had something to do with agriculture. This is very people from Brooklyn on that committee. I mean, give me a break. And but she was against many things the animal rights people did. She contacted me because she saw all the petitions and things I was sending to Albany. And I supported her. She bred um Jacob sheep, which are beautiful sheep. They're black and white. So she Issues, so it's also the Democrats. You know, it's it's not just like people well, on the know, right. And, and I am, and I, right or wrong, and I'm not talking about necessarily PETA, but I have always been amazed that people that are pro-life um, have not made friends with a lot of the people that are in the quote-unquote animal rights world because they have very similar views on life. Now, I'm not talking about these out-of-control activists who want to impose their views. On everybody. I'm not talking about those people. They're hard to reach. They're just as difficult to deal with as any of the other people that are sort of, you know, fringe and crazed. I'm talking about normal people that care about animals and they care about like they're natural allies for the pro-life community. And it was so wonderful. Don't apologize for your voice, sweetheart. Your voice is beautiful and we love you, Anne. And you call here anytime you want. We love speaking with you. Thank you, Anne. Appreciate your call. Thank you, Bo. Thank you. And let's go, my friends, to a break. 
so that when we come back, we have a little bit more time to spend with you. And then I keep saying I have these stack of stories. Yeah. You know what it is coming out of this break, Nick. You do know that, right? But going in, the Doobie Brothers, and I know there's a reason. This is my favorite Doobie Brothers song back in the day, Long Train Running. I don't know if you play guitar at all, but this song is a joy to play on guitar. It just rides I don't on play that minor guitar, but I, I play air guitar, and it's, a, and it's a joy to play on air guitar. You know? Yeah. American singer-songwriter, guitarist, record producer, multi-instrumentalist John McPhee. With the Doobie Brothers, born today... September 9th, 1950, on WABC Talk Radio 77. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. That one hurt. It's Saturday morning. So this is the part where we do the Saturday morning dance. We get up out of our chairs. We move the body. We groove the body. Oh, yes. Spira Gyra. This is our halfway point during the show every week, folks. Oh, it's got that feel. Oh, that was good. I needed that. Nick, that promo that we just played with Cousin Brucie and Tony Orlando, Piscopo, Vinnie Madunio. The last song they played, one of the last songs was that song, See You in September. Could you play that song in one of the breaks? You know I, I can. Let me just look for it. That song. I was a kid when that song came out. And I remember we were on one of these long Amtrak trains, and we had these transistor radios tuned to WABC, of course, as long as we could pick up the signal. And this song came on, and I always loved this song ever since. This song, that See You in September. Yeah. Yeah, let's play it now. I love that song. I want to hear it. We just heard it on the... There it is. Very beautiful vocals on this. Are, 
Yes. There's danger in the summer moon above. Will I see you in September or, darling, will I lose you? Yeah, that's a good point for us to uh, look at the stack of stories that I have here. One of them is, would your partner cheat? Uh, Will I lose you to a summer love? Or These testers will give you an answer. Are you familiar with this? Nicholas, dear chap, are you familiar with the loyalty testers that are online right now? I am not familiar. Okay. Okay, so here's what happens. Uh, Caden Redman, a college student in West Palm Beach, Florida, I know they had colleges in West Palm Beach, was on TikTok flirting with a woman who lived in South America. While writing to her via direct message, he told her he had never been to her home country but was planning a trip soon. The conversation was going smoothly. He asked if she would show him around when he arrived. She said that would be cool. He called her cute, and she called him cute back. At one point, she said she can't wait for him to get there. Moments later, he took screenshots of their conversation, blocked the woman's account, and sent the images to her boyfriend. I just texted him and was like, hey, yo, bro, your woman, she wants to go out, yo. I sent him screenshots, and he said, okay, that's enough. Thank you. See, Mr. Redman, 19 years old, was hired by the man to test his girlfriend's loyalty. And according to him, she failed big time. So her boyfriend dumped her. All the arrangements all the arrangements to lay the trap were made through. There's a company out there called Loyalty Test, a service. They hire people to test. They hire people to flirt with their significant others online to see, boy, these people are so, oh, this is. Now, Mr. Redman, the guy that trapped this woman, charges about $100 a test. Sometimes it takes just one direct mail exchange. Other times it's two to three days of online conversation. He determines what's in his flat fee on a case-by-case basis. And this guy only tests women. He doesn't share any sexually explicit messages or private information of his customers. And he doesn't conduct tests on behalf of anyone he knows personally. But you can find it. You can find these online testers now to test the loyalty of partners. Here is another story in The Amazing Stack. Largest review ever into menopause care reveals the treatments that do work and the ones that are bogus. For informational purposes, my friends, I am going to give you the source of this story so that you may look it up for yourself. Believe it or not, I would like to call attention to this article to guys. Gentlemen, 
this as an important article for you. If you are living with a woman who is going through menopause, please read this article. Again, it is an article about the largest review ever into menopause care, reveals the treatments that do work, the ones that are bogus. Now, the article, here are the bullet points. It is in the Daily Mail. You can go online and find it. It was published on September 7th. It says most drugs and natural treatments for menopause don't work. One in seven women, only one in seven women get effective treatment for menopause. Menopause, they say, is costly. It costs U.S. employers $27 billion a year. Most women going through menopause are not being given proper treatment, leaving millions to suffer in silence, a major review suggests. Just 15% of women get effective drugs or therapies, and misinformation lead many to go down the route of unproven natural remedies, according to the review. This review is a review of studies. They've looked at 200 studies going back 70 years. Again, you may want to, for informational purposes, check this article out. Here's another article we are going to put to side to later. We may revisit this article next week. Are Trader Joe's employees trained to flirt? We asked an employee if the rumors are true. This one we are not putting off because you need to be made aware of it. I'm sorry. It may be disturbing to some of you. This was published on the 8th. America is suffering a shortage of laxatives due to surging demand and hybrid working is partly to blame, working from home and not the office. America is suffering a laxative shortage due to surging demand. Experts say hybrid working, poor diet to the blame. Demand is beginning to outstrip supply. For the polyethylene glycol 3350, that's the generic name for laxatives like Miralax and Glycolax. Aging population with more digestive problems. I wonder if this is what happened on that Delta flight. We talked about this Delta flight during the week. If you weren't here for, oh, goodness, that was a messy story. Anyway, people are now working more hybrid schedules, leads to irregular meal times, bathroom times, eating stimulates the reflexes that cause the process to happen. They go through the details. I'm not going to do that. Anyway, um, there's a guy out there who runs the Gastroenterology Associates of New Jersey, Dr. George Pavlou. He told the Wall Street Journal it's crazy to think that our collective bowel dysfunction problems collective bowel dysfunction problems have gotten so bad that we're literally running out of stool softeners. Laxatives. Anyway, just another thing when you go do that preparation kit later. Oh, Lisa had sent me a text. She said her dad used to prepare for the hurricane. He would get five pizzas. And that's a good idea. Whatever you really like that will freeze well, 
that you really like? Yeah, freeze them now. Don't wait till next week. Today's Saturday. You can take care of a lot of this stuff today, and you'll be done. And if the thing doesn't hit, don't worry about it. If it comes, you're ready. Nursey Nurse has weighed in on the laxative problem. She said, eat prunes. You can't get the glycocol, whatever that stuff is, 50-50-50-50. Nursey Nurse says, eat prunes, drink prune juice. She's a registered nurse, for real. And I'm not giving medical advice, and, and neither is she. We're just saying. Do what you want to do. We're not doctors here, but she said, okay, have you heard about that kid that died after the one chip challenge? Now, this would be something that I would have done. I'm not kidding. I have, I've talked to you before about this incredible thing that most of us males go through during the period of time when we think we're in the invincible and also males have the stupid gene. We have an inherently stupid gene that comes with being a male. The stupid gene is the thing that tells us, it makes the voice come in our head that says, quote, unquote, I wonder what would happen if I do blank. For me, it is, it is nursing nurse has more advice. Get off your butt, walk, and drink plenty of fluids. Thank you, nursey nurse. Because America has a laxative shortage now. So, oh, by the way, Hurricane, put that on the list. There's, hey, hey, don't, uh, Daily Mail says there's a laxative shortage. So, anyway, we have to take a break, right? Let me take a break. Let's talk about the one chip challenge and then let's do more phone calls. And we'll come back on WABC. Oh, I know what this one is, baby. It's Ray Charles. Ray Charles. You busted, baby. Terry Howard on this day, 19, on 2005, studio engineer, had been accused of stealing recordings belonging to the late Ray Charles, was cleared of all those charges in the Los Angeles court. He had worked for Ray Charles for 20 years, had been arrested in February after dozens of recordings belonging to the Ray Charles Enterprises were seized from his home. He was busted, but not guilty. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. On WABC in New York, James Golden Snurdy with you for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. 
The 9th of September, the year was 1963. The Beatles, number one. With this one. I was talking with uh I was talking with one of my my Oh, you know what was really cool? I was talking with Omar Hakim last night, my buddy. Uh, he was on his way out to uh I hope he doesn't mind me saying this cuz cuz I didn't ask him. And they were on their way out to see Sting. Sting was at the uh Jones Beach Amphitheater last night. You know, Omar played with Sting the Dreams of the Blue Turtle album. And actually last night was pretty cool because uh Branford Marsalis I know was going to that gig too. And um you know, some others. It's kind of like the Dream Dream of the Blue Turtles band. Kenny Kirkland passed away. Sadly, he was play who played key with that band, but I think all the other guys were going out to see Sting last night. So that was that was pretty interesting. If you were at that Sting gig, let us know. How it was, but I was talking with Omar he and he said, "You know, I was just listening to my Beatles playlist. I haven't he dug it. And so we were listening to this Beatles music, and we were talking last night about how the Beatles music has stood up so well. The melodies, the harmonics of it, all of it, as writing and as songwriters, how great the writing was. So, anyway, I just thought about that since we were playing Beatles. Now, I was talking about the male stupid gene in combination with the one-chip challenge. The male stupid gene is the one that caused, and, and nursing nurses like, oh, we agree on something. The male stupid gene. That's the one that says to men and makes men say, I wonder what would happen if. So for me, one of the, the best examples I have of the male stupid gene, the first time I got a really powerful pressure washer, it's like this thing was like 27, 2800 PSI. It's, I mean, that's really some power. And I'm like, usually I'm like, whoa, this thing is powerful. And then the male gene kicks in. James, I wonder what would happen if you would just brush this thing against your arm. And so I did it. And of course, my skin came off and I'm bleeding like crazy down on my whole, my whole arm. And I, I have to go to the doctor, and then later on I go to, you know, my chiropractor. And I, I will always remember this. I went to the chiropractor. My chiropractor happened to be a female at that point, Dr. Setti. And, and she looks at my arm. She says, um, what happened to you? And so I told her. I said, well, you know, I had a power washer. And she just looked at me, and she looked, you know, you know, you men are stupid. You're stupid. And, yeah, well, we have the stupid gene. So I say that because this one, and this is bad. Uh, this this kid died. The one-chip challenge is the, the Pocky. And I've been hearing about this one-chip challenge because I love hot foods. And, yes, I do goat's peppers. Yes, I do. And I do. The hotter, the better. But the company, Pocky, have been doing their one-chip challenge it's one chip. You're supposed to do it without water. And it's supposedly fiery hot. Kid ate the chip, became ill, picked up by a relative, started to feel better, later found passed out, taken to a hospital where he died, 14 years old. Made the spicy chip. The, the family thinks the chip did it. 
Was he vaxxed? I don't know. Um, anyway, the one chip challenge, yeah, that's something that I would do. And some of these challenges are out of control. We do know that. Let's go back to the telephones. Greg in Vernon, New Jersey, you have been waiting a long time, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate your patience. Hey, how you doing, Mr. Golden? I, you know, you got a, a great show today. So many things to talk about, but I want to uh, at least focus on the uh, the criminality. Uh, you know, what, what, what's happening? They're letting these people get away with stuff, and they're not putting them in jails where they can actually think about what they're doing. They don't get a chance to contemplate. They don't get a chance to realize what they're doing is wrong. You know, they're, they're being denied the opportunity of redemption. And, and that's what this whole country is all about. You know, and it's, it's such a shame. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I've done a few wrong things in my life, and I've, I've had a chance to sit in some jails over the years, and it's given me the opportunity to change my life. And, mm. you know, I realized this is wrong, what I'm doing. Uh, but without that, you don't get the opportunity to do that. So now all these stupid people are running around doing all, you know, whatever they want to do, and they think it's okay. Freedom doesn't mean that everything's free and you don't have to do anything. Freedom means that you can, as an individual, you can fulfill your destiny as a human being, and you can leave this country a little bit better off for your kids than you found it. And that whole idea is like doesn't even exist anymore. And it's such a shame because that is what America is. Wow. My friend, you have done a brilliant end-of-the-hour monologue. Greg, I am so happy that you waited and you got on with that. And thank you for sharing so much about your personal life. That was really deep that you were able to come and share that with us. I hope that that hit the right person that it was supposed to get to today or persons. Thank you, Greg. Our number duo in the can. Let me tell you what's coming up next hour. Our beloved princess, Princess Di, will join us. I'm going to see if Dr. Mikolas is available because he's been texting me. And he's got something that's kind of deep. I love Dr. Mikolas. So I'm going to see if I can give him a quick call, too. And your calls, 800-848-WABC. Norm Layden coming up with the news. Don't go away. And so quickly, my friends, our number trio is upon us. Welcome to the Saturday morning radio extravaganza each Saturday here on WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden, your host, Bo Snurdly, Mr. Snurdly. And glad to be here with you. Also, if you don't know, Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour, 4 p.m. Weekdays here on WABC. Coming up this hour, the one, the only, Princess Di will join us. Cannot wait to hear from the princess. Okay, I have some other stories. I told you I had the unusual stack. 
Um, this one is, I don't know whether you have been following this, my friends. There have been a spite of stories about what happens on airplanes. People getting kicked off of airplanes, people doing violent things to each other on airplanes, people putting their feet up on armrests, and then, of course, that Delta story from earlier in the week. If you weren't here for the Delta story, (laughs) the next day there was some visuals. People had put their own pictures up of what happened on that Delta flight from Atlanta that was headed to Barcelona but had to turn back to Atlanta so that the plane could be unbiohazarded because the pilots had declared it a biohazard. Well, here's another story. The airlines get a lot of it. There's so many stories about air, and they make the rounds on TikTok with airline etiquette, people not following proper airline etiquette, people wanting to switch seats. Hi, would you mind switching seats with me so I can sit next to blah, blah, blah. Where's your seat? Oh, it's back in coach. No, I'm not moving. Oh, you're terrible. You won't move for me from first class and go back to the cheap seat so I can sit next to my loved one? That kind of stuff. Well, here's a here's one I would have. A New Zealand couple is demanding a refund after they spent a 13-hour flight next to, stuck next to a slobbering, farting, and whiny dog. Gillen Warren Press has Singapore Airlines flight from Paris. They forked out extra for premium economy seats. Was ruined by the noisy and gassy. Emotional service, Pooch. I heard this noise, a heavy snorting, he told New Zealand outlet Stuff. She said she originally thought it was emitting from her husband's phone before she realized it was the dog's labored breathing. She said, I'm not going to have this sitting next to us the whole trip. The couple say they overheard the owner of the dog telling another passenger that the stocky pup eased her anxiety. However... They insisted that the dog seemed to be distressed and suffering from his own afflictions. When they raised concern with the flight attendant, the annoyed traveler said the hostess offers that they move their seats to the back row of economy. Get all the way. Instead of telling the people with the service dog to move, no, you, you two move. They took picture of the dog. It's like one of these... You know these French, these little French, um, the little French things. Yeah, those, those, those little French bulldog. Yeah, those, yeah, those, so those little ones. My mom actually works at a um a vet hospital, animal yeah. hospital, and they are probably their number one money makers. I'm not even kidding. The French bulldog. They have so many genetic predisposition predispositions and afflictions and genetic diseases that they come in so often, especially in New York City. People, so many people have these French bulldogs, and they end up, you know, especially after COVID when everyone got pooches, everyone's bringing them in now with crazy like uh, gastro issues, breathing issues, everything you could think of. Wow. So you know these people on the on the plane complaining about this dog suffering from itself probably. Probably pretty truthful. They say their patients reached the breaking point about halfway through the 13-hour flight. When a certain smell could no longer be ignored, the canine had begun farting as it inched closer into their personal space. The owner couldn't have the dog out in the aisle because they couldn't get the trolley through, so they had to come in further with when his head was under her husband's feet. No, no, no. See, this, they, they, I would have told you, you got to, no, you have got to move that dog. Get out. No, you've got to move it.
My husband was in shorts and was getting the dog saliva goo on his leg. Eventually, the presses said they couldn't take it anymore. They accepted the latest offer to place them in the front row of the economy cabin that had been reserved for staff. The attendant promised that she would file an incident report. The airline would reach out. The airline didn't reach out. They were only offered a $125 gift voucher for the airline's website. Later, they, the airline upped it to a $200 travel voucher for each of them. But the couple say, no, that doesn't make up for the difference in the value that they paid for their pricey, their pricey seats. They want a full refund. I don't blame them. And by the way, when did, you know, I keep wondering, just like these protesters that sit in the middle of the street, one day, one of these animals on these flights, something's going to happen and it's not going to end well. I'm telling you now. I'm not advocating for it. Just telling you. It's like this This is out of control with these dogs. Why do people have to bring their damn dogs on the plane? Am I being insensitive? I hope I'm not. I don't think so. I think pets belong at home. Leave your pets at home. James Golden. Oh, come on. Deb, the, the, I'm sorry. The show's language policewoman has just alerted me. Debbie Duhame, please do not say the F word. Dog pass gas. The dog, I was reading, I was reading from the newspaper article. I, it was a quote. Ah. <sighs> I can't win. James Golden, Snurley. Okay. This is a story that I'm not going to do today. It is about a Portland trans activist who destroyed and defecated inside a teenage girl's car because this trans activist thought the teenage girl was being transphobic. The car had to be towed away and destroyed because it was considered a biohazard. Reminds you of what happened in that Delta flight that we're not talking about today. Here is a story that some of you will be interested in. ResumeBuilder.com found that 96% of the respondents working at firms with either remote or hybrid models say they are subjected to some kind of monitoring from their bosses. And the headline of the article, almost all major businesses are now using monitoring software to track workers' keystrokes and web searches. J.P. Morgan is even checking the time spent writing emails when they're in the office. More businesses, most businesses are now using monitoring software to track workers' activity while on the time clock. New study shows in a survey, some 1,000 business leaders across the country, ResumeBuilder.com, found 96% of respondents working in organizations with either remote, hybrid workforce say their firms use some form of employee monitoring software. 
Does that surprise you? And does it bother you? Okay, so you're working from home. Your bosses want to know what you're doing. Here's one of the funniest stories I found all morning. And then we're going to get to Princess Di, and then we're going to get to your phone calls. San San Francisco's image rebrand is underway in the nation's largest tourist trap. So guess what? San Francisco is trying to rebrand their image as a terrible city. You know, crime-ridden, human feces all over the street, crime out of control, drugs. You So what they're doing, they're putting on a campaign always spelled by, and you know where they're running it? They're running it in Times Square, New York, on one of the big advertising billboards. They're spending $6 million in an advertising campaign to dispel the the negative reputation clouding their horrible national image, and they're using Times Square billboards for some of it. Times Square itself is beleaguered right now, thanks to the mayor and the city council and the governor of New York not getting these career criminals under... And they're advertising in Times Square. Really? Amazing. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurling, with you on WABC. Going to take a break. When we come back, the one, the only. And I will tell you, there's another story that I really wanted to do, but I can't because I don't have time today. It was in the New York Times. It's about the way that women dress. Plus-size female shoppers deserve better. I got news for you. Not just plus-size females. Plus-size people deserve better than what they're getting from clothing companies. But we'll get to that another day. James Golden, that case, Tony, coming with you. Don't go away. 50 Cent in the club taking us in. You know, 50 Cent was stopped by the cops in New York on this day in 2006. He received citations for unsafe lane change, driving on an expired permit, driving without insurance, driving without vehicle registration. As he was being cited, a crowd gathered to take photos, cheering him and heckling the police who had pulled him over in his open-top Lamborghini. He's driving this Lamborghini open-top around New York. Unsafe lane changes, expired permit, no insurance, no registration for the car. Yeah, baby. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. It's time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. I'm just letting the music play because I love your theme so much, Your Majesty. 
that beautiful, beautiful music introducing the lovely, the beautiful, the wonderful, yeah. the often wrong when she's arguing with me about politics, but nonetheless, princess of policy for the rest of America and me. Princess Di, how are you this morning, my darling? always make me laugh. That's so wonderful. Great to speak with you, Sir James. Well, thank you, Your Highness. Uh, busy week it has been, eh? Um, a few things. Uh, uh, by the way, and I always like to catch you off guard with something so I get your natural. Uh, this Christy Nome deal, that was kind of a smart play. And now she's oh, like yeah. all of a sudden, like head in line, according to the uh, the the, the, uh, the media people, for to be Trump's uh, VP. Were you surprised by that? She has been in his camp for quite a while. Uh, I did not find that surprising at all or really newsworthy, but you do you. Well, you know, I mean, I thought that, you know, just getting a lot of coverage, I thought it was a good play. Yeah, Yeah. I guess uh, she has been celebrating Trump uh, primarily since his appearance at the monument if you recall for his fourth of july celebration I do. yeah so they have been really allies uh since then she has disappointed me i have to say a few times in the meantime so she is not on the top of my vp list who which is? is the only reason that that made news who is who who is the VP? Who is the top well, of your? Well, we can v- talk about that. I don't want to get off track because this you you will not like my answer. It's not Michelle Obama, is it? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I, you know there's the usual suspects, but I actually am very interested in RFK Jr. Don't yell at me. You know you're not the only one that says that that would be a brilliant choice. But I heard the inside dope is that um, Trump and RFK Jr. had kind of a falling out during the the initial campaign in 2016. I've heard that from some insiders. So I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm sure that's true. I mean, Trump had a falling out with many people, but he he is very good at making political alliances when need be. I'm not going to yell at you for that. I actually think it's... You know, it's people who say, oh, he's a Democrat. You've got to look at his positions. And it's true. You have to be very careful because he's got positions on important issues that are really not uh, something you want the country to go forward with, like, you know, minimum wage um, at whatever number, that kind of thing. Economy stuff he's wrong on. And environmental stuff, he's way more reasonable than the left crazies, but he's still, you know, not somebody who's going to open the spigots for energy, which is the first thing we need. But he is right on a lot of important things, and he's a thoughtful and deep thinker, and he is brave. So, I mean, he's been going against the conventional wisdom for decades, and he is also well-read, well-spoken, well-researched. If you actually listen to him on video in long form, you can't help but come away impressed that this guy would bring a lot to the table. I don't know vice president, but I think he's he's somebody who interests me for that role. But anyway, that's not what we wanted to talk about. Yeah, but I but that's fine because I always like taking you off the look. I always want to hear some un, un unscripted. Not that we script anything, but but I just also like to throw you throw you curveballs because that's just like part of my personality. So yes, it is. 
So okay. So so there was a story this week that young men, young men, young men with that deadly testosterone, that toxic testosterone. <laughs> uh young men are starting to turn what? More conservative or something like that? They they they, they seem to think that this could be an election cycle where the young men start moving more toward the right. Well, that was a story you tweeted out or X'd out or whatever the term is now for posting on the uh, what used to be Twitter. Uh, the title is Republicans get major boost as fired up young men lean right in record numbers. And uh, there was a survey. It's uh, basically a quarter of 12th graders identify themselves as conservative. This is a survey that's been going on since 1976. And at that point, only 17 percent of high school boys saw themselves as conservative. Now, I really, you know, asked you if we could talk about that because it leaves me as an excuse to talk about something I wanted to talk about in longer form of celebrating men. Now, that little story also connected with something you talked about last week. Manly men won't buy electric cars. That's right. It will dent their macho image. Now, I have been keeping file items for this little noticed phenomenon of the impact of men standing up in America for a while now. And so I just asked, can we talk about that little story, which is another data point? The the most interesting data point is the Bud Light uh, boycott, because no one has mentioned this. But as a boycott, it's been amazingly successful. And in my view, the thing that's never been mentioned is this is the first boycott ever, ever, ever run by men. Whoa. All the other boycotts have been basically Target. You know, you've got shoppers. Who makes the consumer uh, choices at Target? It's mostly women. Women, Women, yeah. And, And they do sustain for a while. And then they kind of everybody goes back to their yeah. Habits. Then they crumble. So, then they crumble. Yes. They yes. fold. And this one, this one is different. I just saw a story yesterday about um, the, they they're calling it quasi permanent loss of market share. That these consumers are gone forever. And this was something that was brought on by Bud Light. You you know, the part one of the reason men stopped drinking was the Dylan Mulvaney uh, character being, you know, promoted as the spokesperson. But the, the part two of that, which never gets covered anymore, was this Alyssa Heinerscheid, who was the vice president in charge of marketing Bud Light, who said, that we had this hangover, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor. It was really important that we had another approach. And she talked about opening up being, you know, appealing to men and women. So not only did they have the new, you know, focus, which was the trans focus, they wanted to explicitly dump their current um, consumers, right. the beer drinkers. And that combination where basically beer drinkers, Bud Light drinkers said, fine, we agree, we accept your terms, and they just stopped. And and right now they're reporting a 30% market drop. I think it's far more than that. All of the official numbers are just, I think it's more like 70%. Goodness. And that beer, that beer brand is over. 
And it's because American men said no. And that is what we're seeing in, in signs. Now, this is across demographics, across races. This is bipartisan of men. Now, you said that men have a stupid gene. Well, you know, there's some truth to that. But men also have a brave gene. And yes. we're seeing And, we're and seeing by the way, men, no, Diana, let me just say something. Very often, they're part of the same gene. Same thing. Exactly what I'm saying. And and there uh, there is something in not all men, but a significant part of men now that is going against the elite culture. And you see far fewer men going to college, which is a wonderful thing. I know a lot of people think college is fantastic. And in my day, it was. But it's now 60 percent female, 40 percent males. So this propaganda factory, which stamps out original thought, it stamps out common sense, which is what university education is now. You have men saying no. And so you have men going into trades, which means they're going to be in reality, which means they're going to be in common sense. And all of these things are starting to bubble up into politics where you have also among the African-American community. You have young men and they are so worried about this on the left. Young men who are not voting Democrat. Their enthusiasm for the Democrat Party is at record low. So not only is this something to celebrate for the culture, it is also something to celebrate for politics, where you have the American male is basically rebelling against the culture of the left. So I say, hooray for toxic masculinity. Boom. Love it. All right, Fifth Circuit, Fifth Circuit Court issued a ruling this week. This goes to Biden and social media, the censoring of social media. What's your take on that Fifth Circuit ruling? Well, this happened about 7 o'clock last night. It went on to Twitter. And here is the, the sentence that we need to focus on. This was the Fifth Circuit declaration. Defendants and their employees and agents shall take no actions formal or informal, directly or indirectly, to coerce or significantly encourage social media companies to remove, delete, suppress, or reduce, including through altering their algorithms, posted social media content containing protected free speech. Now, this is a victory that I put right up there. It's not as important as the Roe v. Wade overturning, but it's right up there. This is a Trump uh, court and the original uh, decision. This has this is from the Court of Appeals. The original decision was handed down on July 4th by a Trump appointee. And this is so important to save free speech. This basically what I said, the defendants can't mess with social media free speech. The defendants are Biden, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the State Department, Human Services, and the CDC, including Anthony Fauci. So all of those people in the Biden administration are not allowed to pressure. They can't even contact social media uh, companies. So, So we are, as of 10 days from now, when this goes into effect, we are able to make posts. It is it is protected speech, and the court has found it so. Now, the Department of Justice probably will appeal to the Supreme Court, which is why we've got 10 days till this is enacted. I can't imagine they're going to, because the Supreme Court is going to rubber stamp this decision. 
So this is a very important decision. It is called, oh, something Missouri, Missouri versus Biden. So you probably won't see it reported much because it's a huge defeat for the left. But I'm celebrating it, along with celebrating the American male. Well, and and we males are glad that you're celebrating us, Your Highness. It's about time someone did. Um, All of a sudden, Democrats are worried. I've seen story after story after story about, you know, uh uh-oh, Joe Biden maybe shouldn't. They they even went after my old guy out there in California, the kooky Gavin Gasm, and and he's saying, hey, 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 not me. I'm not going to get in the way of Kamala. Um, And... Then you got James Carville coming out, worried about Biden. Biden not gonna make a second name, and 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 so everybody's. Why are the Democrats only now just Biden's ratings? His his poll numbers have sucked for a long time. Oh, I'm sorry. Speech police will get me for that. Biden's poll numbers have been dismal for a long time. Why only? Why are they just worried right now? Why only now do they start to worry? It's very interesting because they're all responding. The quotes you mentioned of, of James Carville, who said this was alarming, is a CNN poll. And if you look at the fine print, I'm telling you, this is a fake poll where basically two-thirds of Democrats don't want Biden to run for re-election. It, it was very high numbers, which is why they were all alarmed. If you look at the fine print, the margin of error is 6.0. That's ridiculous. They over, they, oh, it's a junk poll. They oversampled. It was 391 Democrats and 898 Republicans. When do they ever do that? Right. I always look at the cross tabs because that's important to know how reliable the poll is. This was simply a, an agenda poll. They want to clear the decks of Biden. And so the media jumped on this. I mean, there have been, you know, bad polls for Biden all along, and it's legitimate. He's not doing well, and especially with, you know, polls head-to-head with, with Trump. However, this has gotten them all in a tizzy supposedly is an agenda to have Biden removed. And who, oh, who would you think that they'll put in if they get their way, your highness? <laughs> well, you know, my theory, not going to happen but here, 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 my theory is still Michelle Obama. Not going to happen. Okay, I have a plan B. I mentioned last week, which is the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, as an alternative. And here's something that Rick Rennell, who was the acting secretary of state for Trump for many years, he said this week, he said, this is how it's going to go. Two weeks before the Democrat convention, Biden is going to have a health issue and have to bow out of the race. They're going to have a convention fight on the floor between different people. Kamala, he said at the time it was uh, Gavin and Gretchen, the three of them, and uh, Gretchen would emerge victorious. That's his prediction. I think they're still trying to get Michelle because she would be, you know, a nominee by acclamation. There would be no floor fight. But they do have a plan B, and I think that is something to watch. It's going to be unprecedented and very interesting because I think that this fake poll by CNN signals that it's not going to be Biden in there. You know, the powers that be are erasing his candidacy. Princess Di, we shall see if you are right as always, Your Highness. What a pleasure. What a privilege. 
It was. It's not going to. Sir James, it, it's a priv- priv- privilege and a pleasure as well for me. It is not going to ever be Michelle, despite what you say. It will never be Michelle Obama. It won't be Michelle. Okay, Thank you. time will tell. Thank you, Your Highness. Thank you, Jim. WABC Talk Radio 77. Coming back, your call is coming up on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Always a delight to hear from our beloved Princess of Policy, the one and only Princess Di. Well, it's a marvelous and you know, that's Michael Buble. Dance with the stars up above in your eyes. A fantabulous night to make romance neath the cover of October skies. And all the leaves on the trees are falling to the sound of the breezes that blow. Born in 1975, on this day, September 9th, Michael Blue Blade, a Canadian crooner. But he is terrific, isn't he? Uh, James Golden Sterling here with you. Saturday morning, coming back. Your calls coming straight ahead. Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Yeah, baby. You know, that's De La Soul sampling the Funkadelic groove of, yeah, I know that. That's not just knee deep. That's my, this is my song. I have the 18-inch vinyl on this one. Played the whole thing over and over. That's Felipe Wynn from The Spinners doing some of the vocals on this. Jessica Cleavage is doing, Jessica uh, just screwed up her last name. Anyway, she's singing on this with Funkadelic on the sample. So anyway, cool. Let's do phones. Adam, you have been waiting, my man. Adam, how you doing? Man, I love you, bro. Yo, you are, you, you, the music that you play is my music, man. George Clinton. That was not. That was knee deep, man. That's I'm telling you, so not just knee deep. deep. She's totally knee deep when she does the freak with me. <laughs> Flashlight, tear the roof off the sucker. You know them all. I, I want you to be a DJ at my party. I'm 61 years old. I'll be 62. <laughs> You're good with your music, man. But oh yeah. I swear, it was a good. It was a good. Uh, it was a good week for uh, democracy this week, sir. Why? Well, you know, Mark Meadows lost his bid to move the trial to federal court. That's not good. Peter Navarro, Peter Navarro was found guilty on both counts. That's not e. good. Eugene Carroll won second trial against Trump. That's not good. Ken Cheeseboro and Sidney Powell lost whatever they were trying That's to do. That's not good. No, Cheeseboro lost. Sidney Powell didn't. He wanted oh, to have his he wanted to have his case separated from hers too, and the judge said no. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Well, that means you lost. Anyway, he uh, lost. She Harry, didn't lose. She didn't lose. That was Cheeseboro's. 
Oh, I know you're not going to go where I think you're going. Oh, he's going there. Go I ahead. Go, you went there. You went there. Sir, and this is my word, bro. If you lose trial, they, they offered him 11 years. He didn't want it. He went to trial. They doubled him up. When you take the feds to trial, because they wanted him to get leniency. They wanted him to. to they wanted him to lie on Donald Trump, and he refused. He's a stand-up guy. No matter what you think about the guy, he refused to turn it into. Okay, this will mean I can spend eleven less years in jail if I just lie on Donald Trump. He told us what they did, and he said, "No, I refused." Okay, well, stand up to that 21 years like a trooper, sir. 22 years. And if you think that that's fair, if you think that's the way justice ought to be done, shame on you. Because I expect better from you, Adam. I know. One thing about you, one thing about you, we may disagree on the politics, we may disagree on this stuff, but ultimately I think that you are such a decent man that there's no way in the world that you could think that something like that, extorting somebody by telling them we're going to throw you in jail longer if you don't lie on somebody. I can't believe that you would think that that's good. Sir, I've been through the federal system, sir, okay? I know if you blow trial, you're going to get loaded up. That's like a fact that everybody knows about. He, he shot the dice, man. He blew. You know, the evidence y'all say he don't goddamn don't have against him, it worked in, 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 in around 12 jurors. They found him guilty, sir. Look, this judge is throwing every – these people with this January 6th stuff, I th- the guy wasn't there. The guy wasn't even communicating with people that were there in real time. How you are going to charge him in this case and put him away for 22 years is – a to me, it is a. It's just a miscarriage of justice. It really is. And you know, look, I I get it that you and I are on different political sides. But again, I'm appealing to you because I know you're such a good guy. To just think about what the right thing is. This really the way that you want to see justice rolled out in your country, sir. You don't know the evidence they had against him. He had conspiracy. I can bet you that. Everybody lives with conspiracy. Okay? We don't know what people testified against him at his trial. I bet you they told something on him. So, you know, I'm pretty sure they had enough evidence to convict him because they did. That And you said you've been through the federal system. You ought to know. At some point, don't let me even. No, I don't know that. And I don't believe that. I'm not saying that he should not because he did organize the event and it turned out the wrong way. But did he organize an event specifically so that it would turn violent? No, there's no indication that he knew it was going to go there. Look, Adam, I appreciate your call every week, my man. I got to take a break. I love you, my brother. You take care. We'll holler at you next week. And hopefully it'll be a really good week for America, which means it would be a bad week for Democrats. <laughs> and we'll okay. see you next week. Thanks, Adam. Sweet dreams. You know what that's about. We're coming back right after this. Don't go away. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. 
Gold and the Gang. We celebrated Ronald uh, Bell's, well, it's his death anniversary yesterday. It's not a celebration. We observed it. Founder, co-founder of Cool and the Gang. Cool and the Gang right here from New Jersey, one of the favorite New York, New Jersey groups. Of course, JT doing the vocals on this. I was, I was recalling yesterday going up to the Apollo to see Cool and the Gang at Queens out at the Lowe's. And we were real excited. I mean, Cool and the Gang was such a hot group when they first came out. And they've been around. What a successful career they've had. Let's head back to the telephone. Shall we get as many calls in here before time to go? Uh, Bergen County and Peter, how are you? Thank you for waiting, Peter. Hey, how you doing, Bo? Good. I was uh, I was a baby boomer, and my parents taught me to respect people. You respected your elders. You respected the police. You respected your neighbors, and I think. Uh, I think today's society, I think we've lost it. I, 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 I think we have to come and and trust people, and and but nobody on nobody on the other side is you know we're just yelling at each other, and we're not getting anywhere. And as I say, and, and like even the politicians are even not listening to us. And I think if you if you're in New York. And you don't like the way things are going? Call Governor Hochul and tell her that crime is crazy, and give her a piece of your mind. And uh, call uh, Mayor Adams and tell him uh, get these migrants and uh, you know do something. And I mean, do you agree with me? When did we lose respect? Uh, in the 1960s, and it has been on the decline ever since. And it, it started off slow, but it has now, you see all sorts, you see young children mouthing off to adults regularly. You see the total disengagement of, of courtesy and by many quarters. And so what do we have to do to get it back? We have to re, we have to go back to the basics. Where did we learn civility from it was from inside the house but also inside the church it was inside the institutions like education institutions you've got to start it it, it, it's not going to happen and bring it back overnight the fundamentals of a civil society are found in spiritual and religious teachings there's no question about that and you cannot have a society turn its back on god turn its back on on a, a spiritual matters, turn us back on organized religion, turn us back on religion, turn us, you cannot, and turn us back on morality and expect the society to be healthy. It's not going to happen. So that's, we've got to, we've got to go back to the things that we know provide a good basis for a strong society. Do you think media has something to do with it? Of course. They're the main culprit, but they're not. Media is a reflection of what's in the society, and in many cases, yes, they may inspire people. They may 
activate other people, but they are a reflection of what the society is in certain senses, despite the fact that they're extremely biased. Got to move on. Thank you so much for the call, Peter. Thank you for waiting, too. I appreciate it. Rick in Elmwood Park, you're up next on WABC. James, the children are being taught to hate the adults. They're supposed to even hate their parents because their parents are the ones that use fossil fuels and destroyed their future. That's the one thing. The other thing, these climate activists are adult-abused children. They were taught by their teachers that the world is coming to an end, which is false, and they're psychotic. They need psychiatric help. And parents, if they have children in school right now, and they're pushing that global warming stuff on them, they should sue them. They should sue them for child abuse. You know, this this, this guy that Norm and I were talking about last hour, who was offended that they took him to the psych ward after he glued his feet, after he glued his own feet during a tennis match, is indicative of how off the rails some of these guys are. I could not agree with you more. Kurt, thank you, Rick. Kurt in Staten Island, you're up next. Okay. Kurt, how are you, Kurt? I'm here. I'm here. Good, you're on. What's up? Yeah. Good morning, Mr. Golden. You know, um, I just want to say, earlier this week, you played a song, The Last Waltz by Engelbert Humperdinck. Yep. And uh, I, love his, I love his voice, man. The guy's got a great voice. I, you know, he started performing when he was 17 years old, but he performed under the name Jerry Dorsey. The agent that discovered him borrowed that name, Engelbert Humperdinck, from a 19th century composer, singer. He was an artist and an author. He was a multi-talented man. You know, Engelbert Humperdinck's real name is Arnold Dorsey, middle name George. Wow. Yeah. That he is... Was- Great, thank you for for filling that in. I had no idea. Yeah, he was he was born in India, but uh, he was raised in Britain. Well, then that's quite all right. Yeah, Engelbert Humperdinck. Well, that song really, what a beautiful song and what a beautiful voice. The yeah, last one. He did a lot of great songs, man. I love him. Him and Tom Jones, which Tom Jones is not his real name either. So I don't yeah, know I, I, no, and and right about the time those two were kind of in in competition with each other in a way. They were both yeah. the heartthrobs. They were both kind of a, enough of a similar style that people were like, yeah, yeah. It was great yeah. era, great era for music. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank but, you, Kurt. Appreciate it. Teddy in Yonkers, New York. How are you, Terry? Okay, uh, it's uh, Teddy. Teddy. You know, I'm a listener of yours. Oh, it's my guy. It's Teddy. Yeah. Bo, I, I think you're a great and smart individual. But I can't disagree more with you and the politics that you air on ABC and the rest of the callers. Let me ask you this question. I got a few points. I wrote things down so I don't forget them. Okay. Well, I don't agree with many of the Democrats' ideas and the the individuals, the AOCs, the Omars, and the, the Bernie Sanders. I don't agree with them. I want everybody to hear this, especially Robert from Philadelphia. But I sure as hell don't agree with Peter Navarro. I hope he goes to jail, okay? And I hope the rest of the, the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Matt Bateses, they get there too in due time, okay? And those people that are being tried in Georgia, as 
far as I'm concerned, they're guilty as all hell. They perpetuated a fraud that didn't exist. Okay, Bo, it's been, they did recount after recount after recount. And you have to acknowledge, Bo, and this is what I try to tell my students. Before you criticize somebody else, you look in the mirror and you criticize yourself or the, the party that you belong to. And I have done that with the Democrats. And I agree with everybody. The migrant situation is out of hand. It's out of control. And Mayor Adams, you opened up your mouth too soon. You welcomed them. And now we're in a big fuss. And I don't know what the hell, how we're going to solve this. Okay? I don't know. They're human beings, okay? I'm Jewish, and I remember the Jews trying to come to this country and how they were turned away on the ship, okay, by the United States Congress at that time. No, by the Democrat Party. Let's be specific. And, uh, that's outrageous, okay? I oh, fine. I, I acknowledge that. And, Bo, let me ask you this. Just because I'm a Democrat and I disagree with some of the Democrats' platforms, they don't call me a Dino, a D-I-N-O, Democrat in name only. Why do you call people, not maybe specifically you, but why do I hear Rita Cosby and others call people rhinos? Ask Rita so she can speak for herself. When I call people rhinos, it's because they are, because they're basically enunciating the thoughts of Democrats and pretending to be Republicans, and there are a lot of them that do that. But I'm also very clear that there are some times that you have to give credence for middle-of-the-road people. Because it is a big party, and not and moderates are exist, and I don't call moderates genuine moderates. I don't call them rhinos. I call rhinos rhinos, and I'll answer you now, Teddy. Let me just say one more. Thing. Let me let me have you, Teddy, for one second. I just want to ask you a question, Teddy. Okay, Teddy. One way that we could solve the problem with the immigration is just to repatriate the people that are here illegally back to their own countries. Why can't you look at that as an answer? I, 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 okay, I assume that is an answer, but I guess they left their countries for particular reasons. Yes, and that doesn't matter. They're here illegally. Teddy, you can't go to Mexico just for a particular reason and stay there. You can't have your children go enroll in Mexican schools. You can't do it. They throw you in jail. Isn't your own country worth it? to have the same laws applied in this country as other countries do to protect their borders? Isn't it worth it for us to do, Teddy? I guess so. Yeah, yeah, Teddy, I love you, man. Yeah, we think differently, Teddy, but at the end of the day, you and me, we think alike. Yeah, I uh, like Motown, that's for sure. Me too. Teddy, my man, so good. Let me grab Susan real quick. Susan. I know I told you to call today, but we're already running out of time. Quickly, when is the World Health Organization thing? When is it? Quickly, get in touch with Dr. Naomi Wolf. She will explain everything. She's been talking about these vaccine passports, like what they have in Europe, and how close we are of getting pushed into it through the um, World Health Organization. Thank you, Naomi Wolf. That's it. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your family, your loved ones. Such a pleasure, and I have love and gratitude for your being here with me each and every Saturday and for Bo Snerbley's Rush Hour every Monday through Friday at 4 o'clock. Hopefully we'll be there, God willing, this coming Monday at 4, and see you then.
Bye.